What did God mean when he told Isaiah, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the hearts of these people calloused, deafen their ears and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. If you want to see part two of this podcast and other premium content likely to be censored by Big Tech, then consider getting a membership on my site. It's just £5 a month, less than the price of a pint, to support independent content creators like myself to bring you the truth. If you sign up today, you'll get a seven-day free trial. Link in the description or go to lawrenceeasman.com. Joining me today for another action-packed episode of Eyes Wide Open is Havoye Morich. Havoye is a Geneva School of Diplomacy graduate, former professor of international relations, proud Croatian-American-Mexican, founder of the fantastic Geopolitics and Empire podcast, and host of the Havoye Morich show on TNT Radio. In part one, we discuss the problems we face across the West, the digital gulag that's being erected, the fallout from COVID, and why a political solution seems hopeless. In part two, for members of my site, we talk about how we can avoid the tyrants of state by utilising internationalism, flag theory, and digital nomadism. We talk about the value of second passports, residency, offshore structures, and much more, which you sure don't want to miss. Now. It's time for our guest. Hivoye Morich, welcome to Eyes Wide Open. Appreciate you coming on. It's uh, great to be on your program. I was listening to your last interview with my colleague uh, from TNT, Darren, and very much enjoyed it. I love what you're doing. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love your podcast. Your podcast is great. and is uh, You have some really, really cool guests, some high-level, high-brow, some people deep within the system and it's always uh, always deeply insightful and it was a coincidence that I was able to book you for my show just after Darren <laughs> so I've had two TNT radio hosts back to back um yeah and uh it, it's that's a brilliant angle as well which the TNT radio seems to be giving a platform to a lot of cool people like yourself and Darren and Katie Hopkins I know she's kind of making a name for her self on there at the moment but uh, i'm so happy you came on because <clears throat> we kind of have similar interests and we have a similar podcast and we kind of st- talk to people who are trying to expose what's going on in the world uh, from a geopolitical level to medical tyranny to financial uh, corruption that we're seeing across the world and, and uh, i kind of wanted to chat to you about the things that are turning you on as a host of such a podcast, because we chatted about this a little bit earlier, is that when we do things like our podcasts, we get to speak to a lot of people who have lots of opinions and they are well-researched in their topics and we can oscillate from one end of the spectrum to the other and it helps to formulate your worldview, but it can also be confusing a little bit sometimes too because you've got a lot of competing information which can be persuasive in its own right so trying to forge your own ideas and your own path when you present uh, host a podcast like uh, geopolitics and empire can be quite a challenge i guess so where are you at right now in terms of how you view what's going on in this crazy uh, experience we call uh, the world 
Um, well, you know, it's just like we're, we're it's it's almost like uh, on autopilot, you know, just kind of cruising uh, along. And um, yeah, as you say, talking to so many people, and it's 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 there are many things that go on. They kind of conf- they help uh, make sure I'm not crazy. You know, mm-hmm. you keep each other in, in check. So you, each of us develops our own sort of thesis or hypothesis on what's going on, what we should do for how individually we should react, uh, you know, each in our own way where we are. And so talking to some people, it's, it's like playing devil's advocate uh, all the time. And yeah. sometimes I may agree or not. Like I, my last uh, interview I just posted yesterday was the nomad capitalist, Andrew uh, Henderson. And, you know, he believes that there will always be somewhere to uh, escape to. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, before you may have heard me mention that I think there's going to be nowhere to run. But then you know, he, he kind of makes you think because he works that's his in business that model, though, isn't it, as well? <laughs> right. But I, I guess he has to say that as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I just think, uh, again, you know, my biggest thing is the as not, I saw an article today from AP on Russia, Cyber Gulag. Right. So mm-hmm. I call it the algorithm ghetto. Ghetto. I've been calling it the algorithm Gulag. I like Cyber Gulag uh, as well. And um, yeah, I mean that, that, that's sort of my main focus. You know, I can, you, we must keep an eye out on the military, you know, the, the world war stuff. But again, always my biggest concern is the way that they will be able to control us the most, which is this digital, uh, the, these digital controls. And I mean, with we may have touched on this before, but they that they will, you know, th- that will be a way where that's all encompassing. To, to control us at a, at a individual level in every single uh, nation, so that's all. That's still my focus. But I'm kind of not as freaked out. I mean, I am black pilled, but I'm just happy and kind of care, carefree at this point, and just kind of like enjoying life. And you know, whatever happens, happens. And uh, I, I'm just, uh, you know, maybe we'll find ways to deal with whatever is thrown at us. You know, I'd like to touch upon the digital gulag. Because it's definitely um, like a new era in human containment, if you like, or human control. Because before this dystopian vision that's being presented as part of the 15-minute cities and the digital gulag and the fourth industrial revolution, all of those terms, is that what that's proposing is, is that we now have digital enforcement of rules, regulations, statutes, oppressive um, slavery, whatever that may be, will have digital enforcement because right now they can't really enforce much at all. They rely com- almost completely upon our consent or manufacturing our consent through psychological manipulation and propaganda so that they can control huge amounts of people through psychological operations, right? So they don't really need to enforce it as such because people self-enforce um, on a large a large scale. But it seems to be more and, as more and more people wake up and become aware of what the government or those above the government are really doing. Enforcement becomes much more difficult as they lose control of populations. So the shift from trying to get people to self-enforce to getting digital enforcement maybe is the solution for the elites to maintain control over large populations. Because the idea that robo-dog 
right? Or, you know, the Boston Dynamics dog that is going to end up being, you know, the street policeman. They don't have to worry about recruitment, training, you know, rebellion. It'll just do as it's told and it'll enforce it. So I think that's kind of the end game of this dystopian vision is that all human agency will be reduced to a very small number of dissidents who are still trying to find pockets of freedom around the world. Is that kind of sum up what your experience is by speaking to people on this topic? Yeah, I mean, as you said, we're switching from analog. Uh, you know, as, as man has lived, uh, you know, whatever they were, the 5,000 years of, you know, human history, we've lived in this analog physical space where, as you said, it's been difficult to control us. It's by consent, but also, you know, human agents uh, of the state, you know, whether it's border control or policemen. And as you said right now, it's it's difficult for them to control us that way. And so they want to make that switch. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Some of the folks I've been interviewing on TNT recently that come from the Austrian School of Economics, the Mises crowd, um, uh, when they look at you know, Mises and, and Hayek and them, they say that this global technocracy will be, it's unfeasible, you know, mm. in, in, in many respects uh, from a market, you know, capital standpoint, um, it's unfeasible because you need like a market economy of consumers to be able to build out this thing. But if you kind of, as you mentioned, get rid of them, then you can't, you can't build up the, the structure. So I don't know how they're going to manage uh, that. And you, you sort of made me think of a quote uh, that I came across the other day. Uh, and this is from probably decades ago, but it's a Yale, uh, psychotic Yale uh, professor uh, and the, the book is called Physical Control of the Mind Toward a Psycho-Civilized Society. And he says, we need a program of psychosurgery and political control of our society. The purpose is physical control of the mind. Everyone who deviates from the given norm can be surgically mutilated. The individual may think that the most important reality is his own existence. But this is only his personal point of view. This lacks historical perspective. Man does not have the right to develop his own mind. This kind of liberal orientation has great appeal. We must electrically control the brain. Someday mm -hmm. armies and generals will be controlled by electrical uh, stimulation um, of the brain. And so, I mean, I'm just tracking this daily. I was back home in <laughs> Chicago, Illinois, uh, a couple of weeks back. And I, I went to a, a, a small VIP event with Colonel Douglas McGregor. Wow. Um, you know, you probably yeah. have seen. And uh, I was taking with me Rick Rozoff. He's a 70 year old, uh, fantastic guy. He, he does. He's got an organization called Stop NATO. And we were just talking all day and we we're taking the tollway in Illinois, which you know I hadn't done that in probably over a decade. Last time I did that, you could throw in coins. Right. <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to to pay for your toll. Yeah, and yeah. now it's gone. It's, it's, it's all it's, it's just digital. Uh, yeah. So you have to already have the subscription to the transponder, you know, where, where you automatically deducted the, the fee. Or uh, I think you go to the, they give you two weeks after the fact to pay online. It's all digital. And then, you know, I'm just reading yesterday, like Amazon One. Everything is one now, you know, WHO, One Health, Amazon One. And mm -hmm. so the Amazon One systems are now deploying uh, where you just pay with your palm. And then mm -hmm. this same article from Biometric Update said in, in China, it's the Amazon equivalent. It's, all, it's the Chinese Amazon, Tencent. Tencent is rolling out the Palm scan uh, at public, you know, uh, train stations and subways. And so you can sign a, a kind of see 
them doing this in many places just you don't have an option for cash anymore when i was in la last month we went to a restaurant and it said proudly cashless <laughs> so you couldn't pay with uh cash and just slowly they're they're cutting those off ramps you know and it's you're not going to have any option to use cash and then it's just going to be social credit i mean it's going to you're going to pay with your credit card or your palm which is linked to your credit card or your face which is linked to your credit card and then that's going to be based on your social uh, mm -hmm. score, which they're going to be able to gauge. And then if if uh, you just see people getting canceled now, I just read uh, like a dozen conservative representatives sent to J.P. Morgan Bank or something like that saying, stop uh, canceling people based on their religious or political views. So, uh, I mean, this is this is we're at the heart of this. It's day by day. It's being built out. And I don't see anything stopping it no definitely not right now it just seems like it's a juggernaut that ain't stopping for anyone and i think they also realize this is their big opportunity this is the play they have to make it now and make it quickly before the rest of the world wakes up and pushes back against it once they realize the true nature of the digital prison that they're suggesting we're placed in and i think that's a an important point about um, when they remove cash, then dissidents, people who speak out, are simply just removed because they can't access the digital system in order to get basic resources. You know, they say, we don't want you. See you later. Bye. You know, you, we're, we're going to be uh, locked out from, from the game. But then again, who really wants to be in that world? You know, I, I don't particularly want to be in that world anyway for them to lock me out. What's the Groucho Mark say? I don't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. You know, maybe that's kind of what we're, we're facing here, isn't it? Is who, who wants to be a part of that? Because it's like Hunger Games. You know, the, the, those who, who are in the middle of Hunger Games, who wants to be in that crowd? That's not the... the the, the coolest crowd out there but yeah um so um the electroshock therapy quote that you made there reminded me of i took my boy to see a film uh, jurassic world dominion right and um, you know he loves dinosaurs and i took him to cinema and, and, and maybe i shouldn't but um it was just absolutely chock full chock full i mean klaus schwab could have wrote the script for that film it was everywhere I, it got that much i started writing it down on my phone notes because it was so many uh, references in there but there's one point where they talk about the dinosaurs that they have in the compound in the digital gulag which where the dinosaurs are kept and he said how do you control the dinosaurs he said well we've put electro electro uh, chips into the brain and if they misbehave we just give them an electric shock Right? And that changes their behavior, and that's you know stops them what they're doing. <laughs> Maybe that's what you, Elon you, Musk has got planned with. Your uh, link, you know, your link, there. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yes. So, um, how far down the line do you think we are with the digital gulag? When do you think um, this dystopian future of the, 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 you know, the situation where they can lock us out with no cash. How far away is that from being fully implemented, do you think? I mean, they're all obsessed. We just hear nonstop 20, 30 from nations across the world. I mean, Elon Musk, I just saw a clip. He's talking about uh, artificial general intelligence, you know, he's coming 2030. You, you know, you read the Saudi Arabian government's plans, Vision 2030, uh, the UK recently came out and said, 
we need 10,000 drones by 2030. They're all obsessed with 2030. I don't know what mm. it is. Like, can, can we know what's going to what's going to happen around the 2030s? Because mm. something's, you know, something's going on uh, there. But I think uh, I try to look at things realistically. I mean, we are already in, uh, you know, it's like the fence has already been built. It's like, um, yeah. yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're building the fence. There's still some holes here and there. Which, I think you know, there'll they're, always they're, be holes, though. There'll always be holes. There'll always be flaws in the digital system, always. And, yeah, you know, they, yeah. it's just not that good. I don't think it's as smart or as good as they're trying to tell us it is because if it's, you know, the, the if it's the mediocre bureaucrats who, who are building it, it's only going to be as good as the guys who are, you know, erecting the fence. Yeah, I think it's going to be very fragile. It goes back to what I was saying uh, earlier there. I mean, I'm just taking stock of my travels and just – Every, you know, everything's failing all the time. Uh, mm. Every step of the way, when I was my, my, trying to, uh, what do you call it, do the check-in online for my flight uh, recently, error. I, I, I couldn't do it because I had multiple citizenships. They changed, so I, you know, I had to do it in person. And then just every step of the way, renewing my passport, there was an error now. I, mm. I got to send more documents. Just every step of the way in digital systems. So, yeah, I, 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 I would agree. It's going to be very... Uh, fragile but look if they're already banning people on you know the paypals and freezing bank uh terminating bank accounts all over the world you know we're already in that system it's like halfway yeah. um there and um just uh, yeah, I, I i had a thought <laughs> related to yeah. that but um yeah yeah it's 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 coming yeah um it's like um they want to give us the impression that they are omnipotent, all-powerful, that it's pointless to resist because you'll be squashed like a bug, you know? And we saw in COVID, you know, after the initial onslaught, which terrified the populations into compliance, people started to twig onto it and people started to get more confidence get more courage, and then a groundswell of resistance, I believe, began to emerge and put the powers that be under immense pressure to keep this scam rolling. And I think in the end, I know some people think, oh, no, they stopped it because they wanted to stop. But I think it was largely because, you know, populations were really, really starting to push back because we could see that our freedoms were actually being eroded, not because of some deadly um, pandemic, but more to do with this political ideology from these elites that they were imposing upon us. And, and I think that was genuine. I think they took a step back because um, we pushed them back. So I think it's not as clear cut. Their victory is not as clear cut as they want it to uh, appear. And I, I think the more we become aware of it and the more we push back, then it's not as uh, much as a foregone conclusion as they'd like to appear. Do you find that as you're speaking to people on your podcast and you're traveling around, do you get a sense that it's um, it's a talking point amongst people and that there is a, a, a resistance of it's you know worthwhile? <laughs> it's like yeah, yes and no like i spoke with robert blumen recently on my tnt show he was talking about trust capital and how he thinks um the system has lost a lot of this trust yeah. capital right kind of what you're 
discussing. So when they try something like this again, there's going to be more people, like as you explained, that aren't going to go along with it. And then, you know, G. Edward Griffin, who I've interviewed and met, uh, he did a great interview this week uh, he, talking about all the stuff we're talking about. And he's he's also saying, like, they're steamrolling um, ahead. And um, he was saying that we need a critical mass. We don't need everyone. We just need a few percent. Totally. To, I agree. To, to, yeah. to, to push back. And, you know, I think he said something to the... Um, he mentioned like the masses and it's true like they're 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 dumb not i'm not using it in the insulting sense like you know the the technical dictionary term like they just they're going along they're not going to move like donkeys and it's you, you it's that small percentage that if they're effective we can you know stave this stuff off or derail it or slow it down but you know i'm not under any illusion my view is that um this they'll be successful to some extent making this digital system, you know, a mainstay of daily life. And then people like yourself or I will have to mm. have one, one step out of it to survive. And, you know, we'll talk about that later. And we, we, what that's going to mean, our daily lives are not going to be as comfortable and, and convenient as they used to be uh, or as they are now. And we're just going to have to get used to it, you know. And mm. I don't have a problem with that, you know, getting mm. used to, like, um, you know, living more old school ways, uh, you know, may, maybe I don't have access to some modern uh, appliances I used to and, you know, I have to wash my hand or something. Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, I don't have a problem with that. And you know, that's just the, the, that's the state of uh, it's, you know, it's like my grandparents living ba back in the village in the old days, going through the world wars. And you know, it is what it is. You're living in the time that you're living in uh, and just adapt, adapt. And it's, you know, a lot of this is a mental psychological yeah. thing. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not none of none of it ever affected me during COVID. I pretty much did everything I wanted to do, regardless. And in in the UK, in in England, we still have the common law here, right? and the common law still protects the people to a large degree. And they couldn't force us to wear masks. They couldn't force us to do anything if we just removed our consent and said, "I'm exempt." You know, and that's you know all I used to do is go around like Obi Wan Kenobi and. Uh, Star Wars, these aren't the droids you're looking for. I just go, I'm exempt. I'm exempt. Um, we would just carry on living our life just as normal, you know. And, and um, yeah, let me, let me just let me just let me just add. I read a point yesterday. Speaking about the the, the mental health issue, you know, here in the state of Jalisco in Mexico, mm -hmm. it was reported yesterday that now there's there's been a three hundred percent increase mm -hmm. in like mental issues as a result of they said COVID, but it's not COVID. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, I know you said even here in Mexico, they didn't, I, I still call it, they, they locked us down, even though if it wasn't as forceful, but it, you know, for three months, you couldn't go out on the street yeah. or for a little while. And then they canceled school uh, and that messed up the kids' minds. They couldn't socialize. Um, you were forced to go under the, undergo these protocols to enter many places, right? Masks and stuff. And so for me, that is kind of like a lock, lockdown. And, and for me, it's shocking, 300% increase in mental issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is what our governments do. And, you know, Christine Anderson, the German MEP, she did great, gave a great speech, said, like, um, your governments, uh, they're out to get you. Stop, mm -hmm. like, playing along. Like, when, mm -hmm. I think that's the key issue. Like, so many people around me, the NPCs, they don't 
want to believe that the government is out to get them. They can't. It's it's like cognitive distance. distance. Yeah. I think that's the that, that's the key where they don't want to go there because then they, they're they're going to have like a mental breakdown. But I think it's, accept, it's not. You know? But the, while they can ignore it, they don't have to take action. They don't have to take the the, the action required that would revolve you know would require you to dig deep into your character and push back and find out who you are and what you're made of right so you know they'd rather just pretend it's not happening because once they do accept that it's happening then it's a case of okay well you've got to now make a choice are you going to remain as a slave and and be a willing slave or, or are you going to fight back and push back and that's got some risks but you know it's an amazing adventure that you should find out where that leads so i think while they remain ignorant and well what is it you can't wake up someone who's pretending to be asleep you know and, and that's kind of largely what we're at but in, in terms of mexico it's mexico became something of a a refuge a, co a refuge for covid um you know uh, dissidents didn't it people from all over the world were traveling to mexico why do you think that was the case why do you think mexico which seems to be like a global player it's part of the system you know it, it's not just some um, bit part country it's a major player in the game but yet it was offering refuge to people like yourself and and, and i and um do you think that was just like an exhaust or like a pressure valve that they were saying, okay, we'll give them somewhere to go? Or, or, or do you think there was a genuine resistance within the Mexican elite for these imposed COVID regulations? A, a little bit of both. Like, I mean, there are different issues here when you say it was a valve. Because um, I could just see some interesting things. So one of it is, you know, related to the North American Union thing, because I saw how Mexico had no PCR coming in, like no vaccine mm -hmm. requirement or PCR tests. But for Canada, it was insanely strict. Um, and that actually forced migration. That's Many right. Canadians moved Tons permanently Canadians. to Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Mexicans, for economic reasons, went to U.S. <laughs> so it was like a rearranging yeah. of the uh, you know, ethnic structure, which is th that's the goal of North American Union Supranational. You know, that's what the EU thing mm. so i feel like maybe they were doing that intentionally to to mix things up to you know mm -hmm. as 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 we on we're on the road to the north american union uh, on the other hand though i don't think i think the look what, what i'm going to say a few people mentioned that the, the great reset is alive and well in mexico just like in all countries i mm -hmm. can give like a two-hour lecture i can tell you i've mentioned this before the governor of jalisco where i am 500 percent captured globalist got the, the actual white papers, Rock, you know, we're a resilient city, which is financed by the Rockefeller Foundation. They're building out the smart city here in um, Richard Nichols. I'm not sure if you know him, British uh, no. Mexican author. He's out in the Yucatan. Uh, he told me that the governor of Yucatan, total globalist. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he didn't, I, I don't go into detail, but I trust, you know, his judgment that Yucatan's governor is a globalist. Nuevo Leon. Uh, so it's the third biggest city of Mexico, Monterrey, which is uh, Nuevo Leon, the governor. The, the, the biggest globalist, uh, Samuel Garcia, he just went to Davos, hung out, took a photo with Klaus Schwab, invited Schwab back to Nuevo León. Uh, he said things like, I want to eliminate all private vehicle use in Nuevo uh, León. I've seen he's bringing guy, in, yeah. yeah, he's bringing in the Tesla factory to Nuevo León, all this uh, crazy stuff. So it's alive and well, but then to what you're saying, the, the government in Mexico it's 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 not like in in Europe. It's not as stable. It's 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 
if it's a failed state in many ways. Mm. But that, so that gives you more freedom and gives them less ability to uh, control. And, you know, one of the other reasons they couldn't clamp down in Mexico, because, you know, there's 120, 130 million people. Uh, a lot of people work day to day. If they tried to shut down, they'd have a revolt. So you mm. see what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're going to the red lines. They're seeing how far they can go. And they're like, well, we, if, we've tried, if we really mandate this stuff, people are going to go nuts. Like in mm. Mexico City in 2020, they tried to mandate, uh, you know, 25 million people in Mexico City. They tried to mandate the QR codes. You, like, you couldn't enter pharmacy, supermarket, anything unless you scan the QR codes. Some other countries were successful, right? You saw that like in Europe mm. and elsewhere. Mexico didn't work because, again, so many people living day to day, they don't care. They, you know, people just wouldn't do it. After a week, they they officially said, "Okay, we're not doing the QR code thing because you guys aren't playing along," <laughs> and they, they couldn't enforce it. So I think yeah. it's it's they're here, they're working the globalists with the governors, but uh, again, because you know so many people live lower class, mm-hmm. they, they they can't shut it down, and um, it's failed uh, state in some ways. So they they can't exert pressure like they can in other countries where governments are stronger. Yeah, I think population control is definitely one of the motivations because it's very difficult to control 25 million people in one city. You know, how how do you do that? How do you enforce the rules? How do you enforce your rules, you know, or or your oppressive um, gulag city against 25 million people who are all going about the business, they're all doing their own thing, who's who's running that? And so I think there's definitely a, an issue with, uh, that's one of the reasons behind population control is, is that there's too many people to, to push back against them, you know? But, um, and, and, you meant- let me give you another Go. example. Like I, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the emissions check for your cars, like in the US for the longest time, you've had to go once a year to do the emissions check. And that's just started now in Mexico this year uh, and so now they're pushing that you know how long it, it took them to do that so i had to for, for the first time in mexico ever uh, a couple of weeks ago i had i took it to the admissions made mm-hmm. the appointment i get there and it's for me it's early or no it was in the afternoon and i get there and they're like sorry there's no electricity like you, you in, in that facility there was no mm-hmm. electricity so mm-hmm. like i had to come back another day just just that example of you know uh, dysfunction and ineptitude. So. Mm. Uh, have you always been like this? You know, the way we, you know, we talk to dissidents, don't we, regularly? When we act, live a life like a dissident, like we're opposed to slavery, we're opposed to this oppression, and we're not shy in speaking about it. But is this, have you always been like this? Or did you have a red pill? When when did you, you know, become uh, um, Havoye Morich, host of Geo? politics and empire or was that something that was always in the making i i, I think yeah people have maybe certain intrinsic uh, you know this this sort of character in some ways is intrinsic uh but other people can develop it and snap into it mm-hmm. uh, but i i do feel that i was like that but it just took a few years to sort of become you know i used to be introverted and, and more shy and um but then learning all this stuff, it's like, yeah, over time, I just became more like, like <laughs> a mask. I'm, it's like I'm the Croatian out. warrior in you, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like, back in the day, I would opt out at the TSA. I would, uh, you know, make a ruckus, you know, with the mask stuff. So, you know, and, and when I was teaching in the, you know, in the 2000, 
Yeah, in the late 2000s, even when I was studying in Geneva, I was uh, making firm points against what the professors were saying. You know, I had a professor who was a, a I think it was Australian intelligence, and he uh, consulted for Rockefeller Institute, and he was towing the whole official line, you know, George Bush, great, bomb Iraq, bomb the world. And then we were like having this discussion. I'm like, yeah, but George Bush is a war criminal. And he's like looking at me like, you think George Bush is a war criminal? What? Like, like I'm crazy? And I'm like, so yeah, I'd be, and I was getting in trouble at the graduate school in yeah. uh, Geneva for, for my views. So as I was teaching, I kept getting in trouble teaching. I have students complaining, parents complaining, um, got my classes taken away for one or two semesters. Uh, what was your position? What was what? How was you unindoctrinating your students? Is that kind of how you yeah, saw it? I, yeah, I was just using facts. Like uh, yeah. I, it was MLK Day, and I was shocked to discover the 1999 court court case of Coretta Scott King, who his wife and his entire family didn't believe. You know, it was the lone gunman. They thought it was the government, and we mm. actually got a verdict in the court case from 1999 that said local, state, federal, U.S. government agencies participated in the conspiracy disaster MLK. So that's mm. what I'm teaching with facts. And then the kid, the kid flips out and screams to mommy and mommy sends nasty letter to my supervisor, stuff like that. And so wow. I'm just, and I'm, I'm all factuals, you know, I mean, that's what you have to be in, in, in that line of work as a teacher and professor. Mm-hmm. And th- that just goes to tell you, I was talking about this on the show recently, like academia completely captured wherever you go. I think that's probably one of the biggest the biggest problems we've got is that as the next generation comes through the system, they have to negotiate their path through these indoctrination camps that are masquerading as centers of education, like you know, school, college, and we have universities. There is no truth, uh, logical reason it seems being taught in these places anymore, and it's just to indoctrinate the next, you know, worker bee that will, you know, operate as a low-level bureaucrat in the smart cities that are going to imprison us. You know, was that your experience within academia? Yeah, this is one of our biggest problems, and it's not good. Uh, mm. uh, you know, the, the next generation is going to be even more brainwashed and indoctrinated. You know, th- that's one of the keys to turning a lot of this back around. But it's it's not looking good because uh, the schools, uh, th- their mind control is getting bigger. I remember like 10 years ago telling students, because, you know, even a decade ago, you still had more freedom in your internet searches mm-hmm. and with the results, you know, we all know that. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, it's like nothing. It's, it's Crazy. all gone. It's all gone. And I was telling, you know, I was telling my students 10 years ago, it's, it's happened. My, you know what I said that I, I'm, I feel bad for the next generation. You guys are just going to go on Google. You won't have any other alternative views. Yeah. It's just going to be what Google says and you won't think um, otherwise. And as a student, as a grad student in, well, as a, undergrad student uh, in Illinois and then a grad student in Switzerland and then teaching in Mexico and um, Kazakhstan, I can tell you from the whole experience, there's absolutely no truth in, you know, education at any level. It's all, uh, they've got limits and then they don't let you go outside those uh, limits and Mm -hmm. you won't find the truth. And if you do, you're persecuted. You know, I met Mm -hmm. Imerek Chaprat, who was one of the top geopolitics uh, instructors in France. He was teaching the French Academy. We had coffee with him in Switzerland. He got completely blacklisted. So, like NATO and the French deep, European deep state, 
illegally got him blacklisted. He could teach no more at any, you know, institute of you know any university. Um, and for you know, he was interviewed. There was an RT clip many years ago that talked to him about it. Now, now I think he's in Marine Le Pen's political party working there. But you know, th that was just an example. And then I knew other professors who knew this stuff. But they wouldn't talk so much about it in class. You know, after class, my professor yeah. would tell me, like, yeah, go read LaRouche, go read Voltaire Network, go read all this other stuff. And, and you know, and, yeah. and they're afraid of losing their jobs. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a serious problem that we've got. I, I mean, you know, one thing I can take from listening to your show and listening to you, you know, is that you talk about how almost everyone or even everyone or every nation state, whether they even exist anymore, uh, but every nation state seems to be fully on board with the Great Reset and this whole new dystopian digital future that's being presented. Even Russia, who it seems like they are the bulwark against this um, woke empire that are trying to take over the world but you seem to think they're on board with it too what's your take on, on that yeah i mean i posted in my uh geopolitics and empire telegram channel last night this story from uh i'm just pulling it up from uh, ap and it says the title is the cyber gulag how russia tracks censors and controls its citizens putin has harnessed digital technology to track censor and control the population building what some call a cyber gulag Dark reference to the labor camps that held political prisoners in Soviet times. And one of my subscribers says, says, what a load of Western crap this is. <laughs> and it's just like, my response is, you have Stockholm syndrome. Because, um, and it's, it's, it's dangerous. You can't view anyone as heroes. And not you can't look at this emotionally. You mm -hmm. look in Russia, Russia's applying the same things. All countries are doing it. Mm -hmm. So how does Putin, you know, your hero somehow get a get out of jail free card or have diplomatic immunity? No. And what's going on is governments have outsourced. It's like you, you mentioned all nations are taken over. I mean, the, the agents within these nations are, as I mentioned in Mexico, the governors here, the mayors, the governors, the, the national leaders, they're all captured by these interests. And then what's the, the real control structure is the. It's it's the NGOs, the consulting companies. So all all of the decision making, like let's take this guy in level on Samuel Garcia. He's you know he's outsourced his decision making to these globalists, you know NGOs, IGOs, international governmental organizations like UN and many of their other agencies, right? The consulting companies that work for WEF, and so all of that's been uh, outsourced. And so you see the same thing in Russia and China. I interviewed Emmanuel Hastrick who's very, he, for me, he did one of the best analyses of what happened with COVID. And he explained that it's basically, it, it was global, transnational finance, uh, all of these transnational big IT companies, private, uh, and, and some of them like boutique, uh, private software companies that, you know, specialize in a lot of these, you know, QR code things and all this stuff, uh, and private military intelligence that have penetrated all governments and then they're assisting, you know, it's not like the CCP is running this stuff. It's like mm -hmm. Xi Jinping outsources this stuff that, you know, and then he, he, they give it back to him and he applies what, you know, what they're doing. And so, yeah, Russia, I don't see any Russia's doing it, uh, 
as well. And, and mm. you know, they've got the cyber gulag. We've got the algorithm ghetto. Um, I'm I'm looking at things realistically. I'm sorry, Putin is not some uh, hero. Maybe he's and he can't. You know, it's he's one cog in the machine. Putin's not running the show. You've got a Russian deep state. You got to look at the power structure. You got the Russian mm. military. You've got the the fifth columnists. Uh, you know, and it's like Putin's just one man in the sea. Uh, you know what? Even if he wants to, maybe he can't do anything. Mm. Um, that that is like the ultimate black pill, isn't it? That they're all on board. There is, you know, it's like a almost like a, a learned helplessness that can uh, overcome you if you go down that route. But that's because we are looking at this from a temporal perspective, right? And it's like, is why are they really doing this? What's really going on? Why are they going to these lengths where they're making plans over a hundred years that you will never see the fruition of, um, you'll never see the fruits of your, your labor over that period. You'll be long dead. What's really going on? Is it just money and power or is there something else on the metaphysical level that is pulling these narratives together? And I know, you know, you, you see things from a spiritual as well as a temporal perspective and that this could be viewed as a spiritual war and it's a war for our soul on a much higher level. And when you kind of think of it in those terms, one, it makes a bit more sense, for me at least. And two, it gives a little bit more hope <laughs> in, in that sense, because, you know, then it's, you know, th these temporal things that are all just part of our everyday life is no one gets out of here alive, do they? You know, so how do we want to leave when we leave? Do we want to leave as people who've stood up to this evil and tyranny and, and slavery for a chance, you know, at a, um, you know, paradise at the end or, or, or not? But what's your view on the metaphysics that are playing out here amongst this geopolitical chess game? Yeah, again, it goes back to my biblical Christian worldview uh, and, and, and prophecy for me explains a lot of this. Um, and just kind of what you just mentioned, the Bible uh, says, uh, speaks against cowards as a mm -hmm. sin, kind of to what you're saying. So, even, you know, even if all of this has happened, you know, it's just the, the people that will be thrown, you know, go to hell will be uh, you know, sinners of all. Like, you know, that includes uh, homosexuals, adulterers, right? People who aren't married, uh, thieves and murderers and cowards, right? And so that kind of speaks to, uh, regard, you know, the, the one universal principle is not being a coward and resisting evil as we've been discussing, rebelling against this COVID stuff or any of this stuff. So th that's a universal, I think, you know, biblical Christian principle that anyone can apply is just not being uh, you know, a, a coward. Uh, and then uh, it's funny, I, re I read a meme today, uh, kind of to what you're saying. It says, liberals want to use birth control to prevent life from forming. If it mir miraculously does, they want to kill a baby with abortion. If they keep the baby, they want to deform its sex organs into the opposite gender and also turn it homosexual. You can't explain this without uh, Satan. And so, mm. um, yeah, this is my view that, I mean, you just look at the prophecy. It's like all coming true. This global, it implies, you know, Revelation and the book of Daniel that there's going to be a global control, a world government. It's going to be totalitarian. And the way I make sense of it is, 
it's not humans carrying mm-hmm. this out. It's there's some other re, there's some some other higher intelligence. And for me, I you know I I literally believe in the people use Satan or Lucifer kind of as symbolically. I I believe there's a real entity, mm-hmm. you know, that this angel, bad mm-hmm. bad rebel angel. And you know, I went to the. We may have. To, I don't know if we talked about this before. I attended a meeting of the Lucis Trust, Lucifer Publishing. No. Tell me about company. that. So, so when I was in Geneva in 2009, um, and I knew about these guys before. So you you had Alice Bailey who founded in 1922. She was a theosophist, which is for me mm-hmm. Satanism, a cult, mm-hmm. and she was following the tradition of Helena Blavatsky, right from mm-hmm. the 19th century. So she founds the Lucifer Publishing Company in 1922. They changed the name to Lutz's Trust. And so yeah. they're based, they got three offices, New York, London, and uh, Geneva. And they, you go to their website, they openly say, they believe that Lucifer is Prometheus, that he is the Christ, that Lucifer is the Messiah. They, they, they literally believe it. But and I went to Prometheus, one of their meetings. Prometheus brings technology, doesn't he? Techne, you know? Uh, yeah, that's why they're saying Lucifer is the guy who's going to bring us all the goods and, you know, help enlighten us. And I went to one of their meetings so I can, you know, as I'm talking now, so I could have the street credibility, right? I'm not some conspiracy theorist talking about Lucifer. And I went to their <laughs> meetings. I've got an actual pamphlet that talks about Prometheus and Lucifer. It says it in the pamphlet, the, the meeting mm-hmm. that I attended in Geneva. And, and so they're an actual UN NGO. They hold consultative status on the ECOSOC with UN. So, mm-hmm. you know, what is it? UN is world government. What Lucifer Publishing has that, you know, that what the Bible says, that Satan wants the world, one world government, mm-hmm. and here's the UN. It's like, it's it's all there, it's official. And um, so, you know, my view is that Satan ultimately, he wants, he's a narcissist, he wants to feel, he wants to be God, he wants to displace God, he wants to feel what it's, you know, that's what narcissists like. They want that adoration, adulation, right? They want that glory. And I think that's what he's attempting to do is take control of the planet and then wants to force all the whole world to worship him. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's copying God at every level, you know, God being omniscient, uh, omnipresent. That's why he's building out a global surveillance state that's going to monitor us. Uh, and so, like, th- th- that's that that's what this is all about. And so that gets to that higher metaphy- metaphysical uh, reason. for. And then, you know, he also wants, he hates humanity. He hates mm-hmm. man. So he wants to kill and destroy as much as possible in any way possible you know wars a lot of this great reset stuff that we're seeing you know the the wars the famines the 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 impoverishment through inflation and all of this uh the disease bio warfare you know potentially nuclear wars so any which way he can get at us for for me that kind of explains this it's a hatred for humanity that kind of explains you know everything that's it helps you make sense of it and it makes you feel better because um well the, the, if this is true, then, you know, this is the conclusion I came to when I read the Bible. Well, if if all this prophecy stuff and, you know, what Jesus and all these other people talk about is true, wait, then the other part must be true, that the only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that was that, that's that second jump where some people don't want to uh, go there in the alternative media, but that's my conclusion. You know, the, the, the safety raft is, uh, you know, the, the ark, you know, believing in Christ that's how you, you know, as they said, the basic instructions before leaving Earth, Bible, right? <laughs> and so that's like my life raft, where I can then look at all of this stuff that we're talking about and what's going on in a more relaxed manner. Because, you know, from my perspective, I've got my parachute. Uh, and so it's a black pilling 
on the material level, as we discussed, but yeah. on the metaphysical or eternal or spiritual, uh, I've got my parachute, so I'm good to go. That's how I can look at this stuff as nasty as, as it is and look at it profoundly and not flip out. You know, whereas if, if other, you know, other, I think maybe that's why some people look to Putin or mm -hmm. multipolarity as their saviors, because that's their, you know, everyone needs this sort of sense of security, something that's going to get them out of the situation right but but you can you can understand why they want to crush um spiritual faith in christ and promote atheism because that really is the black pill isn't it that's the ultimate black pill right which is you know once you're gone you're gone man you're going into the dust and that's it so make the most of what you can while you're here steal as much as you can Break all the rules as much as you can because there's nothing beyond here, right? So that really works for, um, like you say, Satan's plan, right? Because you know, if if uh, you had faith in in Christ or in the the next realm, then you're going to be focused on on more on achieving those goals rather than worrying too much about your problems in the temporal realm. And um, I think that it's something that is a really good spiritual solution you know is to remember that you know there's, there's there's more to come after this that's what i believe anyway yeah but i think it really does help to understand what's going on i think you can make sense of it otherwise it just seems so ridiculous or so absurd the things that are happening that don't make any sense at all but you can rationalize them so if you think that what's being played out now is uh, the book of Revelation. What comes after the book of Revelation? Well, I mean, the, 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 that's the end, you know, the traditional view is, um, you know, I think time only exists, um, history and time exist uh, only because of sin, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but once, you know, Christ comes back and makes everything new, there's going to be no, everything's going to be, uh, there's going to be eternity. There's not going to be any time anymore. It'll be effectively the it'll be the real end of uh, history. So mm. I mean, basically, and I don't know when this is will happen. You know, I've interviewed like Pastor Polowski. I've interviewed different uh, good, you know, Christian pastors. Patrick Wood of Technocracy, who's a Christian. You know, he says the same things that it it could be now. I, I just view it as a progressive buildup. Yeah. You could, and you could, it's just a cycle. You know, Alex Thompson of UK Column, who's also a Christian and was talking about this, um, it's the same principles over and over throughout history. You know, the, the, the mark of the beast, the, the push towards a global system. But um, it, it takes a long time for the devil to do this. You go back to the Roman Empire, you know, that, that was one of the attempts. You know, the, all the different empires, they just progressively grow and then they collapse. Mm -hmm. And then they come back again even bigger, and then they collapse. And then we, it, that just keeps going on and on until he gets the whole planet, and then it collapses as Christ comes back. And then in the Roman Empire, you had like these sort of like COVID-like certificates. You, they forced citizens of the Roman Empire. I, I was shocked to discover this during COVID. That you had, had to have a, like this pagan certificate that you sacrificed an animal to a pagan god. And if you didn't have that certificate, you could be fined or jailed or possibly killed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then... And then you go to the Middle Ages under the Holy Roman Empire. The Catholic Church forced you to have. Uh, I actually found a, a, a primary source that said if you didn't, uh, you know, believe in all of the precepts of the, the Catholic Church, 
you would not be able to buy or sell. Literally. Yeah, indulgence. And we, you know, yeah, and then the Catholic Church killed, you know, how many, some people say millions of, uh, tens of millions of, of people who didn't do what they say. And then, you know, the Nazi Germany, they had the health passes. And so each time it's it's like a cycle, but it just gets bigger and bigger and more mm. successful. Uh, and so, you know, and I, I would wager those were like early iterations of the Mark of the Beast system. Um, and people living at those times, basically, mm. you know, that they were martyred or killed for mm. not abiding by whatever the state said. And, and sometimes it didn't even have to be explicitly Christian, uh, you know, bow down to the emperor. No. Okay. Off with his head. So uh, I think we're progressing towards that. When that it may, I might be very, very well be the 2030s. This is interesting yeah. because, and I'm not the only one because there have other people independently have, have been starting to come to this conclusion because if you believe the earth is, you know, 6,000 years since creation and, you know, Christ died around 33 AD, give or take, it might be according to the historical record, then 2030, 2033, right? Give or mm. take. Uh, no one knows the exact year. Christ might say, you know, come back 2031, 2034, 2038 or something. Uh, but that would be 2000, that will fill, fulfill the 2000 years since Christ and 6,000 years, which, you know, symbolically is like the six days. And then the seventh day is like the mm. rest or, you know, 7,000th year would be the millennium. And so there's also a logic uh, to that. And that, that would also kind of help explain their obsession with 2030. And so, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here, but uh, yeah. Well, we know, what, we know how important numerology is to them. We know how important dates and numbers, and we see them everywhere, and we see all these symbols of, of these crazy numbers that we can, uh, you can't deny once you start looking at them. So, yeah, they seem to have this um, reverence for certain numbers and sequences and equations and formulas and you know we can only speculate on that or maybe we don't need to speculate maybe it's already written in in revelation um so so yeah i, I think that's a a good point to, to end part one is jesus's return that's a good way to um end this uh kind of conversation but people watching this may want to um make their time they've got left here a little bit more interesting, exciting, and, and uncomfortable, or want to avoid the digital gulags, and I don't blame anyone for wanting to avoid them. So I think in part two, for people who want to come over and um, become members of, of my site and watch part two, we're going to talk about the solutions, about what you can do, about how you can resist, uh, where you can go, the thought processes that you can practice. So we're going to do that over in part two. But before we do, for people who are just going to hang around for part one, um, where can people find you, Havoye? Because I know you've got geopolitics and empire, but you've also got TNT. So if people want to pursue um, your content, tell us where we can find it. Yeah, just geopoliticsandempire.com is the HQ. Um, you know, I don't have the paywall model, but uh, my podcasts are free, but I, you know, I really need donations i do have a membership which is five bucks a month i've been really lazy on that but i'm going to get back to that where i do monthly zoom calls just to chat with members about anything uh and then i got to get back to doing like once a week audio uh, just of my thoughts to publishing for, for members only and the private like chat or tntradio.live i'm very active on my geopolitics and empire twitter uh, account which is growing and my telegram as well uh, 12,000 plus, uh, and I'm often there in the chat uh, as well, tntradio.live, and 
yeah, those are the the, the places that I'm most uh, active. Ha- always happy to hear from people. Cool. I'll put all those links in the description as usual. Um, it's been great chatting to you about this. I've been looking forward to speaking to you. Um, but I'm gonna you know go over to part two now, where we go a little bit deeper and we'll talk about solutions. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning in for part one. I hope to see you all in part two.